Since 1961, Quartz Plumbing has offered friendly, reliable service to residences all over Bergen County, New Jersey. We are a fourth-generation family-owned business, unmatched in customer satisfaction and professionalism while working in your home. We are the hydronic heating and water filtration specialists with a workmanship guarantee to put you at ease so you can rest comfortably. We offer financing for those big projects that catch you off guard. And we have a network of excellent contractors in all fields for any project you wish to tackle. Call our responsive office team and we'll dispatch a handsome and educated technician to lay the smack down on all your plumbing issues. You can also find us at quartzplumbing.com, search us on Google, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Like, subscribe, and share, please. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Plum Bumps Podcast, the blue-collar tradesman show where we talk about small business and entrepreneurship in this crazy modern era. As with me always is Maximilian, my trusty sidekick. Uh, we need an entry line for you. I think I signed you that in like a you while didn't ago. Me <laughs> and you still haven't you, you still haven't done it. No. What do I I don't need an entry line for? We just just get to the point. It's kinda like when I ask you to clean your truck. You like how my truck's been clean for a week straight, so now I'm just yeah. bullying you. It's about a week yours. that your truck's been clean, and and he's and he's bothering me about it. Listen, we try to stay clean, but when it gets busy, that's the last thing you want to do is clean your truck at, at work. But it's a good discipline, and we talk to. So we're trying to switch. Um, we're trying to switch. Oh, our guest, you got it. <laughs> okay. No problem. I saw that on the corner of my eye. So we're we're trying to switch suppliers or figure out an alternative to get like, you know, just to get stuff delivered, and then we can use our normal supplier for like picking up. And the guy goes, Paul's like, hey, I'm interested in getting my guys set up. He's like, the first thing he's like, how clean are their trucks? How clean is your shop? Because I can't do anything for you unless your shop and your trucks are clean. Yeah. If you if we want to go that route, our trucks have to be pristine and on point with like. Knowing every single thing that we have in the truck. I think, listen, we a couple of weeks ago we had a uh, we had a meeting to talk <laughs> about that because the summer was just or the fall was just its leftover trash, yeah. and now it's got to be done. Listen, that's one of the keys to success is cleanliness. One of the ABCs of success. I don't know what they really are. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for joining us today. We have a. Uh, a longtime family friend of mine who I worked for, let's see, I screwed up my college career in a year and a half and I came home and I started working for uh, this guy. My mom was working for him as a secretary, but that was like 20 years ago. And uh, today with us is Pete. Say your last name for me. Well, everybody calls me Pete the Greek because it's a lot easier. Pete the Greek? Pete Garagutsis. Pete Garagutsis, that's right. I promise you, it's easier in Greek. I called my mom before you came on. I was like, say his last name one more time because I just, we just call you, everyone, we call you Pete Van Gogh. That's good. I love that. <laughs> that's love, how you're in my I phone. love being identified with my business. No, Pete is a uh, contractor in Bergen County, further than Bergen County, right? You go out of Bergen County. Uh, uh, absolutely. I you, would say, uh, you know, 
a third of the state, pretty much. Listen, 60, 80 mile radius. We've had a couple contractors on here, but you have been featured in magazines for like exquisite work. Old homes, hold home restoration. I mean, I remember going to your office where my mom worked there and the pictures from the magazine were on the wall at work, you guys. You, told you me are by far too. one of the most impressive what your guys do, what they get done is amazing. Well, I it's appreciate beautiful. that. Thank you. Uh, you know, I'm nothing without my guys, and I mean that sincerely. I have a great group of uh, gentlemen that are, you know, my ageless crew, as I refer to them. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the oldest guys in his mid-70s, uh, everybody, most of the guys are in the 60s. I've had guys with me over 30 years, other guys over 25 years. So it's a testament to, you know, what a tight organization we have and how talented uh, my guys are. You know, I, we just basically, I know I started the business when I was young. I was in my, young? Young, I was 24 years old. I just finished college and I was uh, attending graduate school. And, you know, I, I always worked in construction. Originally it was, uh, I worked for a painting contractor. They never had enough work, so he'd like, he would... Uh, Give me one of his friends was a carpenter. Right. So I did that for the most part through high school and uh, all of college. And then when I got out of uh, college, it was in the late 80s. So the job market was very soft because we had a stock market crash in 87. So I said, okay, well, maybe it's not the best time right now. So I need further education. So I should go to grad school. And then I was like, you know what? I want to start a business and just see well, how it does. You spent all that money on education and then didn't even use it. I know, that's, that's a paradox, you know? And well, luckily it was in the 80s when it was not what it is now, like 50 grand a year. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you want to laugh. You know, I've had these conversations with a lot of uh, parents, you know, and, the, and their children. I had a scholarship to go to school, but even without a scholarship, I could have made enough money in the summer to literally work my way through college. Yeah and pay for it no problem yep. nobody's gonna make sixty eighty thousand dollars in a summer at the age of 19 right nope. you know or 18 there's, there's who were you no working way. for back then well i worked for uh, a great guy um the name of his company was a square painting company his okay. name was george and there was uh, a lot of fellow greeks that you know worked you know, in the trades those days. And you just got to keep it in the family. Oh, keep absolutely. it in the family for the last absolutely. 40 years. We got that tight community. Then, you know, he hooked me up with a whole <laughs> bunch of uh, his friends that, you know, needed basically a laborer. Yeah. That's where you got to start at the bottom. That's the best part about construction. It's right. like, what are you going to do? It's like, no, you're going to start at the bottom. You're going to clean the truck. You're going to wash the floor. You're going to clean the shop. All debris. But it's, it's not just with construction, though. It's with every job, which let's say because we are more blue collar trade oriented on this on this show but in any job i think that's what younger people don't understand either is that wherever you go you you're bottom of the totem pole you, you don't get to dues. you have to pay your dues for a few years absolutely and and i think a lot of people don't understand that that it's gonna suck for you have to at least five years you oh know? absolutely you gotta it's you gotta suck. pay your dues i mean yeah. You know, everything that I learned in my life, I mean, it sounds corny, but pretty much, you know, I started working very young in the construction industry, but I was also a wrestler. And you got to take your lumps or your beatings before you're right. going to become, you know, yep. decent any at what better. you do, yeah. any better. So the same thing with work. But I tell you, you know, the old adage, cleanliness is uh, next to godliness. That's true. But if you're not highly organized when you're running a business, that business is running you. 
There's yeah. no way you'll ever get a, you know, there's so much debris in construction, literally from tools, equipment, right. garbage, that if you're not highly, highly organized, you're, you're going to lose so much money per hour, with the, and it depends how many employees you have, that you'll be buried. And so it's like yeah. you have to constantly, you know, be on top of your game. Just, yeah. just you know, leaving the shop. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. So, I mean. There's, you, no, there's no way around it. No, and I you mean, guys yeah. do it. I mean, you got a, you got a gazillion uh, parts. I mean, yeah. between all the uh, washers Listen, and screws and traps and yeah. you we're, know, even even though he said like we're not we're not there yet where we're perfectly organized, I still show up to people's houses and certain jobs and like I we do get compliments on the truck. Wow, it's really organized. It looks really good. <laughs> and there are other days where I'm like, I hope that the customer doesn't see what I, when I open this truck door because well. he broke away from courts for a little bit. Uh, oh, and it was. He worked for another plumber for a couple of weeks. Oh, defector, huh? It well, was. He opens that's up. His he, fault. Me, he opens up the truck, and he was telling me about it. He's like, he's like, there had to be eight, I'm, I'm eight grand ex- yeah. in traps alone, and just P-traps. buried plastic P traps. It was like that's an episode of Hoarders at it the back of like an E three hundred van. He had an E three hundred, like an E three fifty or something like that. That the kid just got fired and left the van the way you know he left it, and I come in the first day. And he opens the back of the truck, the the new boss, and I said, listen, I, I can't work out of this. I need the day, and I will clean this truck spotless, but I need this day. It's up to the boss to make sure that happens. It was so not, bad. You know? I just had to take everything like with, with like hands like this and just scoop it out onto the ground. And, no, and start over. And start over, but I'm not exaggerating. I, I, I called him, no, and I said. I, I've, I've seen bad job sites. I've seen you know, uh, disorganized contractors, but that's also a testament. If you, you know, a lot of, I mean, short term, you might get sloppy because you're in the middle of like, you know, several jobs or several big jobs. You just had deliveries, guys had their tools out. Okay. But overall, within a a day or two, you got to be organized because what's going to happen is your job site's going to start looking like that. Your work's eventually going to start looking like that. Yep. And it just, you know, it spills over. You, you know? lose so much in material. Oh, absolutely. So I, I cleaned out the, I was just doing the top shelf because on the, you, you've seen the back of Paul's plumbing. It's been the same truck for years. First of all, the shelving is beautiful. Like that box truck, I love. It's it's falling apart, but I, I don't want to stop driving it because like working on that thing is great. Hey, it's like an old horse. But like even cleaning off, I haven't touched the top shelf in a while. I like cleaned that out. I found like an old vent damper hood motor. I'm like, oh, what the heck? Just leave it there. And two weeks later, I ended up using it on a job. If I didn't, if I hadn't cleaned the top shelf, you would have never. I would have to go there. buy that part. Yeah, it's like a hundred eighty buck part, a dollar part. You know, well, so it saves you money. I want to ask you because you said that most of your guys, you said most of your guys are a little bit older. You know, what's your what's the age of your youngest employee around? Uh, I would say 25, 26. Okay. So you do have younger guys. We like to have a couple of younger guys. I just uh, hired my nephew last year, which is great because, you know, he's a really super talented carpenter, and he's got a big future in construction. Nice. And, you know, he's he's a rarity, obviously, because most people his age, nobody really wants to do the trades. And I, know I followed one of your shows where you guys were talking about, you know, the benefit of being in the trades and it's a seriously great business uh, you know to get involved in and the earlier you do the better off because you have tremendous knowledge to be able to do this that's one thing you know people downplay you or they don't understand it's like what's a carpenter 
carpenter's a guy that's got like 20 years experience what's a plumber yeah you could you know you could set a toy you could do a few things but how about going inside like the old days and actually being a real mechanic and right. taking apart a boiler and making sure every single piece goes back yeah. the way it's supposed to or either having to find parts or possibly fabricate your own parts right yeah. which all these old timers did so you know you're, you're dealing with people that are very mechanically inclined and you know they're they're just uh, a special type of breed that likes to do this kind of yeah. work so if you have a lot of energy I recommend it to, to anybody, you know, and the, and it could be actually extremely profitable. But you also make money because you're always working a lot. You know, right. you're working 80 hours a week. It's yeah. not like, you know, you get this nine to five job. Right. That's half a day. Yep. And you can make your own work. You work for a company and then on the side, on the weekends, you're starting to learn a talent and a skill where you can utilize and make money on your own, which kind of sparks. That's why most blue collar guys end up going to business for themselves because it sparks that entrepreneurial desire that's in most men, I would say. Of course. <laughs> you well, know? It's, to not have to answer to anybody, do your own thing, make your own hours. And listen, it's not easy because when you're working, I mean, you see how stressed we, we get on the on the field. Of like, course. Of course. 80, we're different, 90 we're different hours people. a week. Right. We're different people when we work. You but know. it still beats having to punch a clock. And to uh, me. There's, there's a lot of benefits. I used to tell young guys, I go, listen, don't look at the income, look at the outcome. Yeah. Okay? I'm teaching you a trade. You know, let's say, you know, you pay a guy, you know, make it up. You're paying him uh, $800 a week, whatever it is. $600 a week because maybe he wasn't that good. He's just like base, base pay. But I could teach you things that you go on a Saturday and make $600 just for the day. And they would just look at me yeah. when they started. I said, I'm not kidding you. Yeah. yeah. And I had this one guy. He was great. He, you know, the thing with me is I, I coached wrestling at Montclair State for 15 years. So a lot of guys used to work for me in the summers you know because wrestling season was during the, the fall and the winter so a lot of guys they needed summer jobs all these college guys so they started working for me so i have a lot of experience with like younger guys you know for many many years like i said i coached there 15 years so i had a lot of guys give me a lot of compliments that weren't even wrestlers because i would see a guy and i'd be like you know what they're struggling they're working for me for like a year and i'm like you know what maybe this is not for you but i'll tell you something you're a really smart guy. Why don't you go back to school and, you know, see if you could get some type of electrical licensing? And I actually did it with two guys. And I think one guy became an electrical engineer. And the other guy is working for an electrician. And nice. he's totally at the top of his game. You know, he's, he's basically like a, his own. He's got a business within a business now. Because, That's you know, good. I see the talent. Like, I'll never steer anybody wrong. I want people that are happy working for me. You know what I mean? Whatever the next level is. And if it's not going to be in construction, namely like carpentry or laboring, you know, putting up scaffolding, you know, whatever, all the multitude of different things. Because we, we're multifaceted and yeah. we cross trade a lot at yeah. Van Gogh, more than most companies, right. you know. So, well, you have to. I mean, you've done a lot of antique homes, old, old homes, restoration, stuff like that, right? Oh, absolutely. That's, what, that, would you say that's your specialty? That's my specialty because I was blessed and fortunate enough to start working basically on the East Hill of Englewood and Tenafly where there were a yeah. multitude of old houses. I know. So I got into doing uh, historic uh, restorations, vintage home, you know, whatever you want to call them, including, you know, we've done uh, a lot of uh, houses that are national historic, um, you Sites, know, yeah. and, and as well as some national landmarks, which is extremely awesome. Yeah. But, you know, we started 
you know, at the beginning, small, and then, you know, I wound up meeting Dave Marino, who you've met before. He's, the guy's brilliant. I mean, he's got a master's degree in architecture from Columbia, and he could basically make a radio out of a two-by-four. He's that yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. And so, he'll tell you about it the whole time on the job site. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's hysterical. <laughs> he'll tell you every step. He'll talk he, about it. He's, he's hysterical. He's an I've interesting guy. I've worked with guy. Dave a lot. He's a I've great worked, guy. You know, he's Very knowledgeable. On. But, you know, the, the thing with, with contracting, you know, I, it's a very complicated field. And what a lot of the public doesn't understand is who are you guys and how are you different than somebody else? What sets you apart? Because everybody thinks that everybody's had the same training. Yeah. And basically, whoever mentors you and the, and the skill sets that you learn and the, and the crew that you develop, it's like having a, uh, a professional football team or a top-notch NCAA you know, uh, team that's competing in any sport. It's like what makes those guys special and sets them apart? It's their training. It's their camaraderie. You know, team building and having a successful team is not necessarily prevalent throughout the, the industry as right. a whole. Yeah. And people just look at price, yeah. which is a very bad thing to do in construction or in plumbing. It is. Because it could cost you a fortune. In not, anything. not double or triple, it could cost yeah. you a fortune. Yeah, it could. And there's nothing that the, that the new guy has, that's coming in that has to fix it can do about it. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Like when someone's, if someone contracts, I've, we've worked together on plenty of jobs. Someone's going to contract you or not. But you have to, first of all, your portfolio is impressive. I mean, oh, just, thank you. you know, there's a lot of guys that don't even have that. They don't even work on that. Even a portfolio on Instagram, there's contractors that was like, eh, whatever. You know, handymen and stuff like that. You got to prove your worth. You know what I mean? That's why we try to pump out a lot of videos on about jobs that we're on and stuff. We do one minute reels. This is the boiler we put in, yada, yada. That's important for people to see. Continuity is important. Yeah. And also that you're the real guys because, you know, when I grew up, um, I used to actually knock on people's doors. I made my own portfolio, you know, just pictures. Door to door? Door to door, like a door to door used uh, vacuum salesman, you know? I would just knock on people, like some people would slam the door. And some people are like, wow, you're a really cool kid. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're looking <laughs> for a need, job. Like it's some... like, yeah, what do you need? You know, that's how I met Dave. Uh -huh. I met Dave on a job and befriended him only for like two days. And then I went and knocked on his house <laughs> and i knock on a guy's house how did i know that we'd be working together for 35 years yeah that's crazy it's like wow. one in a million you know what i mean yeah. that is crazy but you know back then it was just pretty much and it, and it still is for me i've never been an online presence or anything like that because I, I like um first of all when when i was you know got in the business you know computers weren't as prevalent you know as, as oh, especially there were no iphones and and there was none of that stuff but I think the the buyer, you know, like the old Latin saying, caveat emptor, buyer beware. They have to be very, very uh, careful who they hire because, you know, you can fake anything yeah. online. I mean, not you guys because you're doing it on a daily basis and people are watching you. But you could say you did this house and that house and then, you know, go out and pay $100 for a, uh, a license because a lot of the public doesn't understand. A general contractor is basically the ringleader of all the trades. So they're like, well, he's the boss. Everybody knows him. But what they don't understand is anybody, and I do mean anybody, can be a general contractor. All you got to do is basically pay a registration fee for like $150. Yeah. You go out. We know those guys. And you get, yeah, and yeah. you go out and you basically get insurance, two, $3,000. <laughs> 
you could buy a truck or don't buy a truck, whatever you want to do. Just yeah. put a magnetic sign in your car and your contract. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if that is the, that is who people hire. Yep. Yeah. So how are you going to separate that guy who's probably like the worst of the worst with like somebody who's really competent is a scary process for most people. It, it's it's a completely unregulated industry. Yeah. I see we have here horror stories all the time. Of course. We did remember that kitchen just like a month ago. We did this kitchen. She had a yeah. contractor come in. They botched everything and used their own plumber. Yeah. Well, plumber. You know, he's some not guy. not even licensed. Yeah, he's not even licensed. Came in, mangled everything. They did everything from like just, and it's not a huge kitchen. It's just nice mm. countertop, cabinets, refrigerator. Well, yeah, nice simple. We job. talk about it all the time, though. It's like people can throw pecs through through yeah. through Joyce. Anybody can throw pecs through Joyce. Anybody now, you can you know, we have Pro Press. When people see me use the Pro Press, they're like, "Oh, really? You guys don't even you solder can, anymore?" You can, I'm get, like, you can get press fit PVC you can now. Get, you can get shark bite fittings, and it's like, yeah, but there's there's a certain. And I'm, I might be taking this too far, but there's like an art to the way we do it, and there's a there's there's the right way to do it, and then there's the wrong way to do it. Like you can just throw pecs and loop it through through joists, but people a lot of people don't know you have to strap it every you know two feet, otherwise you're getting shaking throughout the house, and then yeah. people call you complaining. Oh, well, you know every every time I open up a sink, my house shakes. You know, Absolutely. stuff like that. People will put in pecs on the hot side, and and then when you turn on the hot water, the pecs will melt or, or like, sink down. And, and then rub yeah, against the sheetrock. And then you turn the shower off, and it rattles. Yeah. And then it'll st it'll cool down. And st like, that's the tricks of the trade that you're going to, if you're going to pay really, really cheap, you're going to get the guy that doesn't know any. Yeah. And when you pay, like, the more experience you get and the better you get, you charge more money because you're worth more. Oh. And that's, it's almost like, it should be common sense to everyone, but you usually, you have to sell this to most you customers. You have to sell it to most customers, but the best expression or line I ever heard is uh, price is only an issue in the absence of value. And yeah, there you go. You know. Proverbs. You know, yeah, it's a proverb. It's exactly is. It's the, it's the Confucian uh, contractor way. But, you know, what I used to tell customers, I you know, they, some people are like, oh, I'd like to use you. And, you know, the, the funny thing is sometimes we're the least expensive, sometimes we're in the middle, and sometimes yeah. we're the most expensive yeah. who's bidding against you. So, and we're affordable, obviously, because we've been in business for 35 years. Yeah, so, so a lot you, of people you, know, you, know, you know your price. Yeah, you know you know the prices that you're supposed to be charging, and, and, you know, hopefully everybody's on board. But I always tell customers, I used to tell them, forget about the price. You got to go with who do you think is going to do the best job, and who do you trust with your money? Yeah. Case closed. You sell because yourself. You sell yourself, but it's also not a lot of money. Meaning, let's say you're $30,000 off. $30,000 off in what? In a $400,000 or $600,000 job? Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's not much. It's not a lot of money. And what's going to happen if that job's wrong, that you're going to be living in there with your family? The average person stays in the house, what, seven to nine years? Yeah. You know, you could eat a massive I didn't mistake. I know that, but yeah. Because you know the turnover is pretty big on most homes. Yeah. There's people that a lot of times they sue a contractor for crappy work and they lose because the contractor still went in there and did work. So they think, well, I'm just going to sue you because you did you didn't do what you said you were going to do. But they get screwed in court. So really, if you're not if you're not starting it off right by getting the right contract at the beginning. There's no recourse for you. You have yeah, to eat that. Yeah, there's no know? reason to go to to wind up in court, and you know the expectations have to be met. Uh, the public doesn't understand that. You know, there's obviously building codes and there's inspections, and you have to pass those inspections. 
Now, and, and you have to uh, abide by something that's called professional standards, okay, or, or common standards that, that people abide by, you know. So everything like, you know, spackling's got to be smooth, sanded, finished, this, that, the other thing. So you want to go to the level where you're, you're performing high-quality work, you're abiding to the standards of the industry, to all the bulk of codes, and then, you know, you pass your inspections. But then somebody could come back and say to you, oh, you know, this spot's no good. That Okay, you know, there's a certain amount of work that you're going to say, okay, you got to make the customer happy. But some people are very unrealistic. And, you know, they want to keep you there forever. And they can't. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, you're also running a business. You're trying to be meticulous and do a great job. But nobody can sit there and say, well, this is not smooth enough. This miter isn't perfect enough. Right. Because once you exceed logic, then you're going into the world of like basically obsession where somebody <laughs> yeah. could be obsessed about their issues at their home. But on the flip side, it's like they could say, oh, you know, I'm going to do this and that. And it's like, listen, I already passed inspections. Yeah. You know, I, I'm already done yeah. with your project. I sent my guys down, you know, back to you 15 times and you will do that for people because yeah. you like yeah. them and you want to get a good referral but yeah. the, you know the expectation between a, a customer and a homeowner has to also be a very realistic thing yeah yeah and and you got to have that separation between you know what you know segment i satisfied and what was done and what was passed a lot of the other stuff is like opinion based yeah scenario which is not yeah there's a gray area there there's a with, big there's a big gray area like if yeah. all your plumbing works and it was installed professionally it looks great yeah you can't sit there and go back and say well you know i, I don't know if this is yeah, the yeah. right pitch even though it's quarter inch you know break right. out the bubble i mean come on you're doing this for a living every day you know, you're, <laughs> right. you're insulting your intelligence but sometimes customers are correct too putting post-it yeah. notes people, people make mis- yeah but people make mistakes yeah. you know yeah. we don't see stuff our guys you know may have done something a guy had his glasses quickly, on yeah. of course you know that's, if you're going to be a good contractor you also can't you also can't be unable to receive any criticism or or, oh, or actually look at your job from a outside perspective be like you know what you're right we talk we about can, it in the truck all the time customers i want to say always right but customers are mostly right. <laughs> yeah and i'll, and I'll yeah. take their side you know, yeah 99 of yeah. the time because you have to yeah we yeah. go we go we get back in the truck sometimes and we'll say you know we'll go back to a job that maybe somebody complained about a certain thing and and we get back in the truck and talk about it and we kind of agree yeah they were right you know you don't hear you don't. complaints. You're not. You're not in business. Exactly. Right. You're not dealing with the public. You know right. what I mean? There's going to be issues. I don't care if you're eating a, a cheeseburger and it's not cooked the right way. Or, <laughs> exactly. You know, you're you're putting in a driveway or whatever it's you're like, doing. Like oh, yeah. what is it? Kitchen nightmares that we watch all the time, where uh, you go those the homeowners or the the restaurant owners always go. I never hear any complaints about my food, and he yeah. goes, "Well, your restaurant's doing terrible." If you're not exactly. getting any complaints, exactly. it's because you're not. Well, you in try business, different you things. Say. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I wanted to ask you because you said you started this business at 24, 25. I was twenty four, and you started this business. Did you go into it with a plan, or did you just kind of wing it and hope for the best? It was funny. I had to come up with a name, and uh, I was like, I got to get a van. So it's like I have a van. I go. I just said it as a joke. I said Van Gogh. And Van Gogh had just sold, I think it was the um, Sunflowers painting for like $50 million, which was huge news at the time because it was, you know, the late 80s. Yeah. Right. So I just did it because it was catchy, but it's also got this like hyperkinetic energy associated with like a moving van. And the funny part is I never had letters on the trucks while I was in grad school because I just 
you know, I was a like busy a handyman. kid. Oh, yeah. I just okay, was not bother. there yet. I yeah. didn't even bother. When I graduated, I said to myself, okay, what am I going to do? Because I wound up getting a securities license. I was selling insurance products. I got a master's degree in economics, which is completely the antithesis of what I was doing. Yeah. But I actually enjoyed it. And I, at one point, I you was You got actually, a master's in economics? Yep. I, at one point, I was actually thinking about getting my PhD because I was so here. into it. Yeah. Wow. It's a good conversation piece for a party. It is. But reality is, you also got to make a living. Well, yeah. There's a big difference, a big disconnect between yeah. working, making money, and your education. So I encourage everybody to get educated. I don't care if you study history, you know, if you study the arts, or if you, if you, you know, any, if, whether it's a liberal arts degree or if it's something else, that's okay. You know, you need to be educated to deal with the public yeah. as well. Yeah. But a lot of people go to school thinking they're going to make money. <laughs> for whatever reason and so there's a lot of executive uh wall street guys that never you know they were liberal arts majors you yeah. know what i mean they never studied business yeah well the the crisscrossing of fields nowadays is is it's crazy because it used to be that you would go to school and that was the field that you ended up with you've ended up in that field but nowadays you hear all these stories about people who go to university for a certain thing and they end up in something completely different you had you know a master's degree in, in, in economics and you're, you're building houses and, yeah. and and things like that it's people don't sit in people also don't sit in in their fields that long anymore like i i know people that 10 years go by they're in a field they're pretty comfortable in it and once they get too comfortable they decide okay i need to do something else right you know i'm gonna yeah, switch a field well, that's that's the youth today. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, they like to to jump around a lot. I mean, contracting was in in my blood. You know, so I like I like to learn about business. I I, I really am very passionate about history, and economics is obviously very you know closely related to history because a lot of these historical outcomes, everything is all based on the business, the business psyche, the business environment that exists at the time. You know, it it. Uh, Unfortunately, may start wars. Uh, you know, politics are involved. So all these uh, study of social sciences, they're 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 basically a study of human behavior, yeah, and behavioral patterns. Right. But you know, for me, being in the construction business, basically, since I was like 13, 14 years old, I had a passion for it. So I, you know, I loved it. So it was it was an easy fit. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I wish was, I could say the same thing. Because we got sucked into plumbing all way, growing up and everything. Of course. Well, that was your grandfather that started the business. I used to always say, I'll, I'll never do this job. I'm never going to do this. But you didn't know enough about it as a kid. You, you know, you, you could be critical. Uh, now that I know more, I still I want to do it less. Do you really? <laughs> no, That's I'm just funny. kidding. No, I love, I, 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 I love having the business that you get to wear your name on your shirt that you've built. Yeah. You know, listen, I'm third generation. It's not like I started it. But... It's not like you pick up something and like it just carries itself. You got to bust your ass to keep that going. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, you want to ask something? No, I'm just going to talk about. No, myself. I want to ask. I I ask everybody <laughs> this. I ask everybody who owns a business, and especially older guys. But not to, <laughs> not to be offensive, but like, not at all. What do you recommend to younger guys? Because you've talked about how it's harder for you to get younger guys. I know you did get just get your nephew. Um, but what do you recommend to younger guys? Any advice to get them into this trade, or you just more so kind of do what you like? You know, I, I like to use wrestling as an example for a lot of things in my life. Wrestling is you either love it or you don't. So it's very hard to get people or young people to be involved in a home improvement business. 
because they have to have a passion for it. They have right. to enjoy either repairing things, fixing mechanical things that work. Then it's like, oh, it sounds like a challenge, you know, to like the average guy, you know, who would think, but a guy that's like a real problem solver, a guy that could, you know, do a Rubik's Cube really fast, believe it or not, he may wind up becoming a contractor or, yeah. or a plumber yeah. because he he enjoys being able to complete these like difficult tasks that nobody else can. So we all have this like internal challenge within us that that we always strive to be better. And I think a lot of guys that are in contracting business just take up that challenge. Yeah. You know, they're like, yeah, I could do it. I'll, I'll fix it. You know, don't worry about it. I'll be back. You know, I'll have it done. And most people don't want to take that initiative and don't want that responsibility yeah it's like you know you're working on some big uh you know commercial building i mean you could flood that thing out you'd be out a few million dollars i know you'll max out your policy i know and it's like you know it's like you're not sleeping at night you're like did we tighten that fitting or you know did we forget absolutely something? i've woken up like that oh all the time i've texted nancy at like 1 30 in the morning like just in a panic woken up i dream like most of my dreams what was the most i, I wanted to i woke i had the I texted him the other day because there was one customer that we had an issue with where we had to go back a couple times and I texted you the other day and I was like this per as a joke I said this person's leaking again and he was like it was like nine ten o'clock at night and he was already like settled in you know and all and of a sudden he, and we had to go yeah we had a I had an issue for some stupid job four times in a row and, and I he, sent him that message and he goes that dude is still leaking and like I knew like it took me a second <laughs> to realize sweating. he was busting but like your heart just starts going like ah. You put in a big boiler, and you're hoping that it doesn't that every every joint is sweated together nicely. You know, I I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's not for everyone. But no. here's the thing: the guys, the guys that are working for you, they don't necessarily have that. It's you that have that that has that. Well, unless they're really good and involved. My guys are really conscientious. They're great guys. Um, you know, obviously the boss is going to be more because you have more to lose. Exactly. You have your reputation, you have your, you know, your liability, it's going to cost you money. But my guys are, you know, listen, nobody's perfect, but they're, they're really good, competent people. And, you know, I'm very blessed to have them because like I said, without them, I'm nothing. I'm just mm. a guy that's finding work. I could do a sum of the work, et cetera. But like, how much work can a guy do? You know, yeah. you, you need yeah. people. Yep. And you need good people. What he said. Is there also, I have another question because I notice it more in, I notice it more in our field in electrical cars, stuff like that. Is there a um, production issue in your field? Because when I think of a general contractor, I, I think of like building, general building material. I think of two by fours, plywood. I think of, you know, concrete. I think of like the, the base of a home. Do you notice the quality of material dropping in your field? Uh, Those Home Depot two by fours that just like twist. Well, <laughs> it's funny you say that. Um, there's there's a lot of issues that are prevalent in the construction industry, but you you know you as a professional, you have to know where to shop. Believe it or not. Uh, Home Depot two by fours are great because they're indoors and they're not outside in the lumber yard, so oh, they have less le okay. less of a propensity of of twisting right. and uh, you know having malformations. And uh, all right, I but, take it back. No, no, no. But you can, no, but you know Home Depot has some you know great products that you need, but you got to pick and choose your supply houses. But the answer to your question is, I purposely go out like a chef 
goes out and buys like a, a quality chef will buy his produce and do all that. I actually go out and shop all the wood. Like people think yeah. I'm joking. It's like I'll go to a supply house and I'm building a deck. I'll go hand pick a whole bunch. I mean, we'll have deliveries and we'll have to hand pick through it. But a lot of times if I'm buying Ipe mahogany or whatnot, I'll go pick like, you know, 100 pieces, 200 pieces of Ipe mahogany yeah. and have to sort through it, flip it, twist it, depending on what you're building with it. Some pieces have to be stick straight. Yeah. So I will hand select a lot of times and, and cedar, the same thing. So it's like if you want your job to come out right, you just... You know what I mean? You just you don't have throw to. stuff up. Exactly. And a lot of it, you know, I'll, I'll make up a number. You know, 20% of your building materials might be defective. Yeah. And you got to sort through that. Yeah. You know, it's it, you know it's tough. And, and they call it rough framing for a reason. Because a lot of these guys, you know, you get in your framing deliveries. And when you put up the framing, and this is something that differentiates us, you put it up. And it's some of these two-by-fours are twisted, you know, then... All your walls are never, this goes for anybody, they're never perfectly straight. Right. What we do is, I would go by with Dave. We're done, like, you know, let's say we're doing an addition. We break out an eight-foot level, and then we'd level off all the walls. Like, nobody's going to do that. No. Yeah. They you don't know, care. You know Because we, we, we don't want the sheetrock to be skipping. Right. You know how many times we've put laid baseboard, like an eight-foot length of baseboard <laughs> oh. along a wall, and, and it's and just you're missing the studs. Gaps. Like, you're absolutely. missing the studs, yeah. Or lining up a vanity to the corner. And the corner's like 58 degrees wide. You know I what just, I mean? That's why I always said you get what you pay for. Yeah. I you just know? recently went on, on my trip in Europe, and I walked into the to the room, and I, I said to my brother, I was like, is the bed crooked or is the room crooked? And the whole wall was like <laughs> this. Out. Yeah. Splayed out. And it made the bed and the whole room kind of look crooked, but it was the wall that was just like. I said, it I said it's because it's so old over there. Yeah, it's hard to do construction I mean, over there because, like, all their plumbing is in Rome. It's got to be the same like in Greece. It was in Rome that the, the oh, Rome's it, beautiful place. It's gorgeous, but the the plumbing is so old you can't. It's hard to update everything. Like everything is so small. You got to like frequently the, the, pinch off when you take a dump. <laughs> yeah. Like the drains, you can Hopefully see the, the shower works. drain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you can see like the shower drain is like a yeah. one inch drain, of you know, course. versus here. It's like, it's, it's too inches, old. Yeah. It's too old to do to yeah. update. Yeah. It's what, so are gonna, expensive. what are you going to do? Like rehab the city? Yeah. No. You know? Part exactly of the true. allure. That's part of the allure of, of yeah. all the old European cities yeah. everywhere. It doesn't matter if you go in Amsterdam or. I mean, it's got it's got to be the same thing in Greece. I would assume. Greece is Greece is the civilization's thousands of years old. Yeah. There's buildings that are still up there. How often do you go over there? Uh, probably two or three times a year. My mom's there, and I have a trim. Well, I grew up there as a kid. I oh, you did? The US. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, I came to the U.S. when I was in uh, second grade. Uh, we stayed here for a few years, then I went back for fifth grade. Oh, wow. So, you know, I have uh, classmates that I still keep in touch with. I have a, a lot of oh, relatives. Get out of here. I have 32 cool. first cousins. Where's your huge accent? family. What was that? Where's your accent? Well, when you grow <laughs> up here as a kid, you're not going <laughs> yeah. to have an accent. 32 first cousins. I see. You know what? Someone told me, uh, and I never thought about it like this you don't get your accent from your parents, you get it from your friends growing up. Yeah. Your classmates. I it's such yeah. an obvious concept, but I never thought of it like that. I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? They're totally right. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break in a minute, but I want to talk. Uh, you, you mentioned it before. Pizza, pizza, highly skilled wrestler. Uh, I've seen the trophies in your. Uh, a long time uh, ago. <laughs> yeah, but you, that, that never leaves. 
I mean, how you said you're pushing. How old are you? you Fifty eight. Fifty eight. You're pushing sixty. You're still in great shape. Thank you. I mean, well, we have a lot of sixty year old customers and people that we know. We carry <laughs> a lot. We carry a lot of lumber. We put up scaffolding. We work. We're workhorses. Yeah, but I want to talk about. We'll we'll get into a little bit of that, and uh, I don't know, just BS a little bit, and we go from there. Absolutely. <laughs> you got your. Uh, you got your buddy, one of your workers here that's been a long time wrestler. He, you said he was your coach back in the day? Yeah, he was. Louis? Uh, yeah, he was. He trained me. Uh, you know, he's like basically my private coach. That's great. And uh, this is, you know, this is back in the uh, early 80s. And then I wound up uh, going to school in Clemson. And uh, he was our assistant coach. That's such a Greek thing is wrestling. Oh, yeah. It came from the Greeks. That's yeah. why there's like, yeah. there's like two degrees exactly. of separation with wrestling. It's not six degrees. You know? And Greeks. Yeah. <laughs> wrestling and Greeks. True. Greeks get around. All right. Let's take a quick break uh, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening and we'll stick with us. Right, that up. We'll see you in a minute. Quartz Plumbing and Heating for top-rated service in Bergen County, New Jersey. And don't forget to keep treats for Frankie on hand. Van Gogh General Contracting, the art of renovation. For almost 40 years, Van Gogh has been the leader in historic and antique home renovation. There is only one way, the right way, to treat your home. And with decades of experience, Van Gogh will leave you breathless with their attention to detail on your home. Check us out online at vangogc.com. And for your next project, call Van Gogh. We truly are artists, completing quality work to be enjoyed for generations to come. Is it awesome or is it, uh, is, it, is it a little bit of a defective uh, Library part? Library Alright, you ready? This is good water. <clears throat> Alright folks, welcome back to Plum Bums Podcast. The Everyman's Podcast is like how we start saying lately. You told me to say that, right? Yeah, but I told you to get it like down. You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to write something down here, for you yourself. you try the intro. No, I can't. I'm Come shy. Just try it. No. Just Welcome to Plum Bums Podcast, the Everman's Podcast. We're here with Pete Van Gogh. Uh, it can't be Van Gogh, right? Because that's not his last name. But we call him Pete Van Gogh. Womp womp. Yeah. <laughs> you and your uncle with that. Pete Garagutsis. Pete Garagutsis. A uh, longtime contractor, friend of ours. You were at Paul's wedding, I remember. Oh, absolutely. You were dre- West you, Point. You, yeah, you were dressed in that charcoal, shiny suit I, I, with the cowboy boots. I think that was a different era. That was oh. a, that was the sixties. Well, you didn't throw the suit out, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually had gotten it on one of those. Mid- all right, places. Frankie's not comfortable at all. Want to go back down, loser? There you go. Uh, no, we've been talking. Uh, we've been touching base on the, the the world of contracting and historic restorations. And uh, you're a Greek, hundred percent Greek guy. Lived in Greece, 
grew up in Greece. You said you moved here when, when in second grade, yep. and then went back to fifth, and then how long were you there for that time? For one year. For a year, okay. And you have still have friends and family. Yeah, I didn't know your mother was out there. Yeah, my mom and dad, you know, we grew up in Sparta, Greece. Wow. It's I mean, the, the joke. The, it's the place where the men are men, the women are men, and the sheep run scared. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the 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 uh, Greek history is uh, that's that's where the greatness of humanity, I think, really emerged, and what gave us. Oh, there's uh, all all cultures contributed, you know, I mean, to our get, past cumulatively. But you know, Greek, yeah, but Greek listen. culture, you know, they they were the first to introduce the concepts of, I would say, democracy or, or a rule by, you know, by the people in mass. But they had, they didn't have representative democracy. They actually right. would vote. And if you had more yeas than nays, then, yeah. you know, whatever uh, law or, or, you know, whatever they were trying to accomplish would get passed through. You know? I mean, we get, we base our legal system off Greece concepts and all that stuff. Well, there's a lot. Uh, you know, Greece, well, and Rome afterwards. And then, you know, there's it was, it was a very interesting history between Greece and Rome because eventually what happened was Greece basically fell to the Roman Empire. But later, the Romans actually became Greeks. How so? They took, they it's took. A, it's a very interesting concept. Yeah. Basically, there were two Romes that, that were created. Give us the Cliff Notes version. Well, the Cliff Notes is in around 300 uh, AD, uh, King Constantine from Rome moved to Byzantium and he established, because his name was King Constantine, he established the city of Constantinople. Right. So Rome had basically two capitals Rome and Constantinople. So because uh, Constantinople was Greek speaking and Greek was very prevalent even during Roman times, like all the intellectuals, they spoke Greek. Greeks were assimilated into Roman society as basically uh, proculators, you know, teachers, philosophers, uh, philosophers, uh, mathematicians or whatnot. Yep. And eventually what happened was the Romans actually became Greeks because at the fall of the Byzantine Empire, which I believe was in 1453, they were all Greek-speaking. Right. Romans. They they basically became Greeks. But there's a, there's a saying, you know, the Italians say una faccia, una razza, and the Greeks say mia faccia, mia razza, which means one face, one race. And all this ethnic stuff that people uh, like to relate themselves to especially, you know, uh, every nationality. All these nationalities were basically born at the uh, turn of the 19th century, a lot of them. I mean, Italy became a unified country in the 1860s. Garibaldi yep. was their first president. And Greece gained its independence in the 1820s from the Turks. And, you know, it's it's ironic. It's like people are like, you know, I'm Greek, I'm, I'm Italian, you know, but there was no such thing because in reality... They, were, they considered themselves from that part of the world, but they were all city-states. Yeah. They all hated each other. So yeah. the Spartans and the Athenians hated each other with the Thebans and the Mycenaeans and yeah. so on and so forth. Oh, wow. If you were from Genoa, History or forgets, you know, yeah. if you were from um, you know, a different part of Italy, you, you would constantly be feuding because you had all these basically royal families or, or quasi-fiefdoms that would constantly war yeah. with each other. How about yep. that? So that's how, but they they would all identify themselves as, let's say, 
Italians or, or Romans or whatnot. And the same thing goes with the Greeks. And like the Greeks, you know, they, they repelled the uh, Persian invasion several times and they would all band together. But in reality, the Olympic Games, what people don't realize is it was, um, you know, it, it's, it's a religious festival. And every four years, they would actually stop killing each other temporarily Just so that they could have the Olympic Games. Really? Yeah. yeah, totally true. Do they still do them naked over there? Well, you know, <laughs> gymnastics actually means naked activity. Does Yimnos, it? Gymnos <laughs> means naked, yeah. So my brother was so, listening. So you all can... athletes used to train naked. I'm going to give you any word, any word, <laughs> and I want you to tell me how the root of that word is Greek. <laughs> Just like my big fat yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna make listen. A lot on, honestly, <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm saying the, the you know the correct thing here, but something like seventy percent of the English language is Greek. Oh yeah, yeah I believe all, it. It's, absolutely. It's all Latin. Most language. Greco Roman yeah. Latin. It's all yeah. comes from that's yeah. why all, words all cross English. over. It yeah. all, it, you know, the, everything has a root in it. Yeah. But um Listen, I love that movie. I remember your mother. I'm gonna make. It. Oh yeah, she went to see it like four well, times. Well, the first the one theater. was awesome. Then the other ones, you know, just like any sequel or whatever. Yeah. They. Well, I never saw the other ones, but the first, the first, first movie is absolutely awesome. hysterical. Yeah, it was totally awesome. I quote that. So one of our, my cleanup, my uh, cleanup restoration and remediation guy, he was on, uh, he was on the show a while ago. He's Greek, Otto, and uh, I always bust his chops. You have to because the Greeks are so proud of what the, like everyone. <laughs> they will make sure that you know they're Greek. They all stick together, and this is. I'm not slamming the. I'm not slamming I'm, guys. This I'm is. This is smart. You know what I mean? That was. Uh, she worked for you guys like 20 years ago or something like that. It's a long time ago. Your mom's very organized. Uh, we had back then. We had about 30 employees. We were really. Um, you know. I mean, because I was proud of myself. I would tell people, it's like, oh, you know, it makes you different. I would say to people, I'm a general contractor with a crew. Yeah. So it's not just a paper contractor hiring a bunch of guys and having no control. You had your own guys. Yeah. And, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely a great time for us. It was the learning curve was huge. And then, you know, you had a big downturn in the economy. 2008 happened. And uh, you got hit. You got everybody got hit. Yeah. It wasn't just me. I had, listen, I had jobs that, you know, we were starting. And people actually called me, people that had great paying jobs that were very successful in their careers, and they actually begged me for their deposits back. And I had to, I gave everybody oh, back wow. their deposit. I mean, I, you know, I couldn't oh, keep wow. their money. You know, somebody gives you, you know, 30,000, 80,000, you know, to start a job. And they're like, listen, I just lost my job. It's like, I can't do the work. I'm like, I'll send you back your deposit. Like, well, what are you gonna do? Everybody got hit. It was a really, you know, you're, you're too young, Max, to, yeah. to remember this. But I got to be honest, you know, it, it was a scary time because like some of the biggest companies that you've ever heard of, they went, you know, I watched the big short. You ever see that movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, they weren't completely out of business. I mean, there was an upline to Home Depot because we were talking about Home Depot before that was called Expo and Expo was huge. Expo, you could buy anything you wanted. It was it was like, you know, Ferguson's yeah. times like 20. Like, you go in there, they would have high-end everything. You know, not regular Home Depot stuff. And what I found fascinating and extremely scary is immediately after, I'm talking like two months into like three months into 08. Here, pull the mic a little bit closer. They, um, they just... Pull the mic a little sorry, bit Sorry. They right. killed Expo. 
meaning Home Depot. And I'm going, what's going on? You know, how is this possible that, you know, you're, you're killing one of your flagship stores? Because let's say I'm making this up. Let's say there were seven or eight expo stores and there were like 100 or whatever, 75 Home Depots in New Jersey. They just pulled the plug because they knew that it's only going to be yeah. small type repair, maintenance type work going on. And so they, they catered to a high-end market. They would get incredible marble, tile, every plumbing fixture under the sun. And they had huge showrooms. I mean, you would walk in, right? And you would have like seven or eight bathrooms with all different types of tile, all different types of fixtures already set up. Model this is too. not what you get at your generic Home Depot, but that's how bad 08 was. Yeah. It a was a scary time. Very scary. It was. I mean, listen, you, people still talk about it, the 08 crash. I feel like it's we're in the midst of something right now that's just taking longer. 08 hit quick. The guy from that movie, the the guy who made I all that money. I heard Big Short. Michael Lewis is the author. The yeah, short. the it's one very, who very bet against uh, the real estate, the housing market. Then he's betting against the the current economy now. He's betting against the economy now. Well, I believe it, and so, I think uh, anyone with any sense would at this point. <laughs> we'll see what happens. You know. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a very it's a but very you, crazy real estate market. You survived too. though. Well, you you got to be like a chameleon. You know, I started the business from scratch by myself, so it's like, hey, is it, I'm going to go down to just me or just me with like my yeah. few. So like, actually, we came back stronger because. You know, we had a, you know, your typical laying off your your employees, and you know, we basically kept the best of the best guys, and we all worked together. How long? How long? Speaking of the best of the best. Speaking of the best of the best. Louis, introduce yourself. Okay. Or Pete. How long you guys been working together? This is Louis with Van Gogh Contracting. He's been with. I, he's I, of, I've known Pete since December of 1980. He knew me when I had hair. Year. He knew me when I had hair. That long, yeah, me too. long, that long Did you have hair. hair? <laughs> I had an afro. I was like six four. I'm not kidding. I have no. the photos. Huge afro. Shut up. Are I'm you five, serious? Ten. Right now? My afro has at least four to six <laughs> inches off my head, man. It was huge. It's the eighties. I don't believe that. I had an afro, and so did I. Had, I had afro. Where did you guys meet? I know you met in the eighties, but where? Met met at uh, his high school, Bergenfield. Was wrestling a home match against Cliffside Park, my my former school, at Bergenfield, and uh, that's when I first met him. Yeah. And, so you uh, used to coach wrestling. So I was, I was actually, I was, I was, I wasn't coaching at Clemson yet, uh, but I was still in New Jersey. Oh, and, you coached uh, at Clemson? Too? Yeah, I was yeah. assistant coach at Clemson. But before that, I was at Rutgers Newark as a senior in 1980, and I was going around, and I went to my one of my school's matches, and I saw him wrestling. He, we were and, closer to the same weight back then. Though. He was, he was, yeah. <laughs> so. I, I've been always been 140, 150 pounds. He was 141 then. Wow. And. Uh, I started working. We started working out with it, but the, but the funny part is when you met me, what'd you do when you first met me at that match? Oh, uh, that was funny. So he comes up to me. He starts calling me Pete the Greek. So I had no name in Clemson. I'm being serious. <laughs> people would call me Pete the Greek, or they just call me the Greek. So like no, people like wave, hey Greek, you know, like just like from across <laughs> campus, I would wave back. I, would, I didn't know who they were, right? So yeah. because he would tell people about me going to Clemson, like I didn't even know I was going to go to Clemson, but he was in his head, he knew I was going to go there. And it was kind of funny and ironic, but I wound up, you know, going there. Uh huh. And he starts poking my chest, and he's like, <laughs> "Pete the Greek, I'm gonna make you great. I'm gonna make you great." <laughs> and I'm looking at him, and I'm just a kid, you know. I'm in high school, 
First thing I think about is I'm going to punch him. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he keeps going on. I'm like, I'm definitely going to punch him. And then I said, nah, maybe you're just you're overreacting. And then, you know, we became really great friends. I mean, I would, you know, if my mother knew half the stuff we did, she would, <laughs> right. she would go yeah. crazy. I mean, you know. I was a kid, I'd be hanging out in the back of his motorcycle. We'd be going mm -hmm. to the New York Athletic Club. <laughs> We'd be, you know, you'd have to wear like a jacket and a tie to get right. in. You know, I got to work out with some like, you know, like top notch, you know, world class wrestlers That's awesome. just as a kid. You know, how what long I mean? you, you guys been working lungs. together? Oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, let's see. I, I, um, I'm not sure how many years well, we've been working I, I, together, but we 20, know. Maybe 2015, I'm trying to think. I, I had been at several places. The we last, know each other. My last 40 stop, years. I was living up at Cornell and, uh, I didn't want to live in New York anymore, so I came back and uh, we went. We, we went to we go to Clemson reunions. We go every year, every other year. Uh, military Day with purple, with Clemson's orange, purple and orange, and we go down. We went down together. Yeah. So I stayed by his house. I never been to Asbury. Nobody knows where Asbury is. Right. And it's in the middle of nowhere between Huntington and Warren County. Yeah. So I went to stay there, stay for a while, and had to go to work and everything. So I went with him, and uh, he's got his F nice F one fifty, a lot of miles on it, but it works great. And he's driving, he's on the phone, he's got blueprints here. And I said, oh, well, how about I just, I drive, you catch up on your work. So I started driving him, which was great. The history's great between the two of you, though. I think that's awesome. Yeah. That's Both wrestlers. I mean, how, how when it, you're, are you Greek as well? I'm not, I'm, I'm pure Italian. I, uh, oh, my, my like parents. Roman match. <laughs> I, guess, yeah. I guess so, okay. So the, all right. My all right. parents are from this city. Uh, and right after I was born, one month later, we moved to Cliffside Park. And in Cliffside Park, besides being having like a mayor there for 60 years, was the home of Palisade Amusement Park. So we, so we was at Cliffside Park all my life. And so it's all Italian town. So everybody ended in a vowel. So the, the story I tell people is back then in high school, the weight classes, there were 12 weight classes. Cliffside Park had 11 Italians and Franny McCoy was Irish Italian. So uh, okay. we, that's how you. it was. Yeah. And the mayor was, the mayor was there, Calabrese. Jerry Calabrese was there for almost 60 years. Now his son, Tommy, is the mayor. He's a year older than me. So we've That's had a Calabrese there since for seven decades yeah, now. So you're making fun of Greeks. Italians are worse. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the, believe me, the, I know. I'm, I'm, we're part of time. Uh, you got quite the coaching career for wrestling. So I had that. a... I, I, uh, my athletic director, Cliffside Park, Frank Temme, was the old wrestling coach in the 60s. And when he was the AD, I would go into his office. I couldn't eat lunch, so I sit in his office. So he gave me some wrestling books. So I see this guy named Wade Chalice. I was reading about this guy. He was a cocky son of a bitch. But he was good. So I'm right up about him. Sure enough, he gets the coaching job at Clemson. So I go to Wade Chalice. I call him up out of the blue. And I said, listen, I have a kid that took fourth in junior nationals. Da, da, da. I'd like to come down. He's a smart kid. He goes down. He gets a scholarship. I go down with a package deal. And I'm a volunteer. Then he puts me on staff. I bring him down there. He's going to go to Columbia. Uh -huh. He's going to be an Ivy League coach. I convinced him to come down to the Clemson. Okay. So we all went down to South Carolina. And at the time, in, in the 80s, they were still fighting the Civil War. So I bring all these Yankees down there. <laughs> and we would go to a bar and they'd pick on these guys. Well, they would beat the crap out of them. So South Carolina was great. Yeah. When you go ref, when you ref, you go down and the state trooper's there. He walks you in. He walks you out. That was back then. Now, I mean, now it's crazy now. Now you need really protection because... The fans are nuts now. Yeah, they get yeah. nuts. Fans are nuts, and we don't have enough for refs. So I literally ref every single day. I do wow. rec, I do middle school, I do high school, I do weekend tournaments. That's so amazing. I'm busy. I mean, so I got, I got hooked on it. He knows, yeah. though, so many, you know, he's actually, Louis coached or trained, you know, several national champs, multi-state title winners in New Jersey. Like, And the funny part about Louis is 
he would always take <clears throat> excuse me the jobs that nobody wants to do like so like all the a lot of refs have egos so they want to do like right. the state finals louis like just give me the jv guys give me the peewees Humble. so what happens is yeah. all these Humility. guys that come through the ranks that actually wind up becoming like world-class wrestlers somewhere somehow in new jersey they're like hey that's screwy louis he's the ref <laughs> like they know him. they're like they seven eight ten years old <laughs> but he's been in it for decades so that's why Louie is such a you know mainstay for New Jersey wrestling. Yeah. If, you, if you guys were to throw down right now, who do you think would come out on top? Oh, no. Oh, no. no. Oh, no. We, we already threw down around Christmas time. It wasn't good. Did you? Oh, it wasn't good. Um, I, I was going to say, like, like, on the job, when the job gets stressful, you just want to, like, pummel somebody. I would just, let's just let's fucking get it out right now. Excuse me. Sorry for that. I got to censor that. <laughs> Just get out on the job site and toss each other around. No, we tried. We tried to uh, behave ourselves on the Listen, site because we're always somewhere. That was a long time ago. But it's you know what? <laughs> Definitely it was, lived it was the a hell lot of, of life though. At out. the time, I saw him beat a uh, Division One national champ. I was in his corner. I was like 16 years old, and my mentor just beat you know a national champ. That's Kenny Mallory, yeah. first Division Three guy to win D one. Yeah, it was and, it was uh, very impressive. Yeah, I was, was very I was very that. proud of him. And then at one point, I think Louis wound up. Uh, he took third in the world in Sambo. What? So I got involved in Sambo a little bit. Not What's, too much, but I got involved with it. Was but it then, just a form of wrestling? Yeah. It's, it's Sambo a, you, is like the national sport of Russia, like back in the 80s. It's a combination of like wrestling and judo. Yeah, you wear with a judo jacket and you do wrestling moves. What was that movie that came out back then? It was about, it had a big, I can't remember. Oh, man, it was like some obscure movie. About wrestling? It, about Sambo. About Sambo. Oh, yeah. Sambo, I don't know. I don't remember. Whatever. I, I, I. Something came in. I, I remember hearing about that back then. Who's the most famous person you ever worked with? Wrestling well, field. Well, the, the, it would be Damien Hahn. Damien Hahn wrestled for Lakewood High School. He was a schoolboy champ, and all of a sudden he was beating people in high school. He was beating college guys when he was in high school. So he's a four-time finalist, a three-time champ, and he graduated in 99. He was the, so USA Wrestling puts out a thing. The number one guy, they do a, a team, and then they pick the number one guy that picked him. Went to Minnesota, placed four times, fifth, fifth, and first, first. So he's a two-time champ. So he wrestled an undefeated guy named Kale Sanderson. And he beat him in freestyle. He was a junior in high school. Sanderson was already in college. So he was acclaimed to fame. So sure enough, he, uh, after he won, he took second on the Olympic team in 08. He lost in the finals to Daniel Cormier. Who's yeah. a, he, all right, that's yeah. who he lost to. He now is the head coach of South Dakota State. He's in Brookings, South Dakota. People think it's the middle of nowhere. I, I go there every year to do summer camp with him. Oh, South he Dakota. He rides his motorcycle. Nice. South Dakota. Yes, yeah, so I actually, <laughs> no, I, no I didn't. I took, I drove my car. I have an old oh 2002 Pontiac Grand That's Prix. That's a crazy ride on a bike. I would, I would, oh, I drove <laughs> my bike. But he would do it. The it, bike it rider be. was, back in the day, was Jersey to Clemson, Oklahoma, and then the next time I went to Vegas. And Colorado, on, on Colorado, on a bike, on a bike. But it was in the it was in the summer. I would love that though. Uh, to be honest, like, listen, you're it's hurting. Liberating. You're hurting, but there's nothing like that, especially just taking a long trip. Uh huh. What do you do? You still ride? Well, no, I don't. Uh -huh. And remember, this is the '80s, so it wasn't like we had phones and everything. We had I had a Rand McNally map, and I went when I got to <laughs> Oklahoma. Yeah, 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 I yeah. said, Great "Oh my point. God, I'm going to Colorado Springs. That's where the Olympic training camp is." I'm like, oh, I gotta go here. I'll make it to do like that. The top hat of the Texas state of Texas. I had to go to du Dumas, Dumas, and du and Dalhart, and I had to plan it out in the uh, nowhere. You're gonna I'm run out of gas. There was no people, yeah. no animals, no nothing. You're screwed if you no phone, no gas. I had gas. to figure it out. I went and there. What it was? There was the town, a little bit of town. Found the gas station. 
and I kept on going. I made it to the bottom of Colorado, and then I worked my down there was civil, civilization. It was what Route 35, 15, 15. Yeah, wherever no, it is. There's nothing like that though. Just and uh, out it there. was good. To, it was good. I was I I had the bike. I I ended up selling it, uh, getting rid of it, and got a regular car. But I, I was at that time. I said I like the bikes, and and I did it for a while. That's great. Yeah. Thank God. So I I want to ask you. Uh, I mean, you guys been together, you said 2015 when you guys got together, right? Yeah, you I came back. I back just saw him. And you started this 24, so this is pretty much you, This is pretty much all you've known. What were you – I'm sure you had a part-time job in college or something, but, dude, I didn't start this until my late 30s. Well, I, I joke. I tell people I was born you were to be born a contractor. Into it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just started it's in your, it's in your blood. working as a kid. It's in my blood. Even, you know, when I worked uh, briefly, you know, for a financial service company, you know, I was into the sales aspect, like I enjoyed it. But, you know, I enjoyed, you know, working with something that was either broken down, you had to repair and rebuild, or building something brand new that's like yeah. totally beautiful that people are going to inhabit that space for right. years to come and enjoy that. And some of the stuff that you built, you know, could be around for a few hundred years. So that gave you a different type of satisfaction than just like, the adrenaline rush of like making a sale you, you know you realize like you know if you, when you do what we do it you know you an, is it it is an adrenaline it's rush. an adrenaline <laughs> rush to actually do the job and i was i was revert back to wrestling because you know wrestling is a very tough sport and what happens is nobody gives you an award or gives you anything you have to earn everything right. you have to constantly prove that you're the best somebody could take your spot you could win some great tournament and the next day you go lose to somebody you should have never lost to yeah. because it's such a mental sport but it's the same thing in contracting whereas you're competing with a whole bunch of bidders and now it's like you just got like a two million dollar job you just got a three hundred thousand dollar job but guess what you didn't make any money yeah. you actually have to now you qualified for the tournament you qualified to do the work so now you have to pull all your resources, you gotta get all your employees, your subcontractors in order, and you gotta have a game plan, which is basically really good architectural plans, hopefully. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that are lacking within those pages yeah. that you know you guys know firsthand. Yep. <laughs> and you gotta produce a great product for a customer. So yeah. that's that's where you get that challenge, which, you know, it's kinda like wrestling, but it's in a different format. Yep. But it, it makes you very happy to produce something that people will appreciate you know, reside in, in, in that part of their home or their entire home if you build it. And they're going to enjoy it for maybe generations to come. So that's know? a huge selling point because I was going to ask you next, like what would you say to younger guys who are flailing, not knowing what to do? Everyone's encouraged to go to college. College is not for everyone. There's people going there when they shouldn't be there and they should be getting into something like this. I mean, what would you... If guys are coming up and they want to, they want to be their own... Their, their own boss, they want to do something with entrepreneurship, get into contracting, what's your advice? Never never shortchange the trades, you know. Um, I was serious before when I said, yeah, you could get multiple degrees and it becomes a conversation piece for a party because- Or to get dates. Yeah, or, you know, whatever, know, whatever people- I know what you really mean. <laughs> whatever, no, whatever people, whatever people use their education for. An education, is a really good foundation block for being able to converse with people on a different level. But the reality is you have to provide some type of service, no matter what industry you're in, and you have to make a living. Yeah. So the trades are a huge necessity of our economy. 
And if people don't engage in the trades, like anything from repair work to, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, you know, building a house or putting up a, a commercial building or whatever it is that you do, or even, you know, skyscraper in Manhattan, people are going to either work out of those offices, they're going to, you know, live in them, you know, live in a building or whatever they're going to live in. You need people to maintain and service everything. So no matter what industry you're in, there's less and less people that are willing to take that challenge and that responsibility that goes yeah. with saying, yeah, I can do it. We're the I can do it guys. There's very few people like us. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, I want young people that are out there to put it in their heads that there's nothing that you can't do if you're willing to try. And there's a great career out there waiting for you. All you have to do is, like we said before, is just show up. Yeah. Most people don't know how to show up. Yeah. You show up, great things will happen to you in life. You got to get up early. You go through the motions. Not, nobody's Superman. Nobody goes, oh, I can't wait to go to work. Or, you know, maybe some days you do. Other days you're barely getting out of bed, whether you got hurt or you don't feel right or you didn't sleep all night because we're worrying about all yeah. our other jobs that we have going on. And Keep having leaking nightmares. Leaking nightmares, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you get older, you might have real leaking nightmares. But the, the long and the short of it is, you know, to the youth, just show up, yeah. take the challenge, and great things will happen to you because people need your service and less and less people are doing it. And if you're smart enough to get into it now, you will reap tremendous rewards down the road because it's basically gonna be almost no competition for doing that kind of work. You grew up an athlete, all right? You grew up as a, I got, so we got two, I got two cousins in the family. They're about 14, 15 years old right now and they're both athletes but they have grand dreams. You guys know who I'm talking to. You guys know who I'm, I'm talking to you, Mason, Nikki. Uh, they, have, they have grand dreams of the, uh, the big football career playing for the Giants. Of course, that's I mean, healthy. How do you, okay, that, may, that is healthy, but how in a healthy way do you squash that dream and be like, <laughs> tell them you're gonna have to just be a plumber? You know what, <laughs> I would never, I would never squash anyone's dream. I would, I would tell no, them, kidding. no, no, I'm being serious. I would tell them to pursue their dream. Listen, Louie and I can recite scenarios to you guys that would blow you away. There, there are guys that were not even good wrestlers in high school that became Olympic caliber athletes or, or actually you know, placed in the Olympics that, that took up wrestling in their late teens or early 20s. So you, know, you don't squash people's dreams. You let them follow them, and the, you know, the, the cards are going you know, to lay where they're going to lay. Down the road, you know, people will find their path. You, you, as long as you have a great attitude, it's all about your attitude. Yep. If you have a great attitude in life and in a pursuit of excellence for your sport or your business, or you, you know, you wanna you wanna take whatever you learned on on the gridiron or or in a basketball court or in a wrestling mat, because you're trying to best to be the best that you can be. You also have your pride. You're you're trying to be the best that you can be in. The construction industry yeah. it's not a, a get rich quick scheme and you don't do it for the money because there's a lot of easier ways <laughs> you can make money yeah, you yeah. do it because you love it you got to have passion for what you do yeah. otherwise people see right through it and they yeah. don't care about it yeah. you know and and you, you know. got callbacks for days if you don't care about it you're just oh. throwing stuff together for us I mean, service work oh yeah if you don't care about it there's you ha you, ha you have to get in there and be like listen i'm gonna i'm gonna make something work today i'm gonna build a career i'm in it for the long term you know, and a lot of people, when they sit on that couch, they advise people don't necessarily go to college. But if you are, take a business class. 
learn the business aspect of it. Let me tell you something. The only way you will ever learn anything about business is being in business. Yeah. You know, they, all this theoretical stuff is great. Uh, college was great. To, you know, you know what college does? It gives you a right to do things. Like, for instance, it's like you ran a marathon. That means that, you know, you're some guy that's like dedicated. You got a college degree. It means yeah. that you're willing to do the work. Yeah. What you actually work in college, I mean, learn in college, I got to be honest with you, not very much at all. And it's, it's quite sad that college is not geared for the professional person, period, case closed. Teach you how to save money, how to earn money, the power of interest, you know, all these different things, being organized. They, they just teach you a lot of hypothetical, philosophical nonsense. Yep. You're, you're better off actually studying real philosophy and getting something out of it than all these like theoretical, you know, I, I always loved uh, Rodney Dangerfield and Back to School. Do you remember? Did you ever see no. that? No. Uh, you guys are maybe, too maybe. You got to see that. It's a classic. <laughs> he's taking a course. Basically, he's filthy rich. And I think his nephew is in college. So he wants to go to college too. So he's like, let's say, 55 years old and he's a freshman. <laughs> okay. So this guy's going off uh, in economics class and he's teaching kids about business and about putting up a building. And then, you know, Rodney Dangerfield pops up. He's like, yeah, but wait, don't forget, you're going to have to grease the elevator guy so that he can let all your employees up and you got to do this. And he's like, we don't run that kind of operation in this class. He's like, what, what kind of operation do you run? He's like, well, we're making widgets. He goes, well, widgets, what kind of, you know, what kind of product is a widget? He goes, and then all the kids turn around and they're all taking notes because it was, it was so real. Oh, the yeah, difference, yeah. the yeah. dichotomy me between the real world and you know an academic it's world it, yeah. it's a shame that there's such a huge disconnect you're spending all this money uh, yeah. to be trained to actually <clears throat> be a more efficient person and maybe having the economic freedom to be truly who you want to be whether you you know now you want to really just read books and enjoy yeah. it because you made money they right. don't teach you any of that they'll, they'll go take two three hundred thousand dollars unless you have like you're, you're studying you know um real career-oriented scenarios. Like, for instance, if you're into biochemistry, you're going to be a doctor, right, right, an architect, uh, possibly a lawyer, an accountant. 95% of all the other fields, they're just got a vacuum cleaner sucking out it's parents' true. money. It's yeah. true. And nobody's getting anything out of it. It's really sad. I'm glad you said it. Oh, it's totally you true. Know? And it is sad because tuition's only going up and it's bankrupting kids for the next 50 years of their mm -hmm. life. I think it's usury and it should be illegal. There you go. Like I said to you, I could have made enough money easily to pay for my college. Yeah. Nobody With is going to make a year's worth of college tuition in three months in the summer where yeah. they're off for either, you know, in between high school and college or then all through college. Yeah. It's sad. It's out of control. Yep. It is. You're better off giving your kid a freaking down payment of $300,000 yeah. to buy a house so cash invest in real estate. Or, or whatever, or invest in real estate, then you are sending him off to school. If he doesn't want to be in a specific chosen field where you're yeah. building up you know, to go to another level and then another level to, to better yourself in that chosen field yeah it's it's sad most kids don't even know what they want to do yeah. you know? I know so that's why you know forced to they're forced to pick something so early of course you know like i didn't you know like i said i didn't really you know when i really realized what i wanted to do it was kind of comical from 28 to 30 i did i i said to myself okay i never had writing on my trucks or anything so i said to myself okay let me put some letters on these trucks you know business actually took off even uh -huh. without anything and I said, let me see what I, how, where this is going to be. Because, you know, I'm only 28 and I'm going to be 30 
no big deal. Business exploded, and I stayed in it. But I had to go get two degrees, be in business for four years, and then decide this is what I want to do. Nobody knows what they want to do, yeah. unless they're really one of those special type of kids, you know, they want to be a doctor or, or whatnot, yeah. that know from the beginning. It's, it's very hard. And I think you have, you know, I would say that 90% of college tuition is wasted for the, it's, it's fodder for the universities to just, yeah. you know, get bigger bank accounts and, you know, abuse more incoming freshmen exactly. with nonsense. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a total shame. So I, I'm pushing the trades. So are we. That's why we do this. Yeah. Well, That's why I, I had you on here. That's why I get successful guys in the trades on here to talk about their experience, realize that there's a ton of different personalities in the trades. Oh, absolutely. You don't have to be one specific guy. You know, but if you you can even not so much lean toward being mechanically inclined, but if you can if you're good at business and or branding or something, you can still make a great there's a lot of plumbers out there. They're not great plumbers, but they're very successful because they know their numbers, they market well. Absolutely. They know the market. But at the end of the day they're producing good results. Well, because now they get guys like Louie over here to mm -hmm. actually get out there and do the work and yeah. they get they just guys slap like Louie to just show up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They just show up. Just show up. That's the biggest part yeah, of it. Exactly. Guy, his guy Dave, you know, he graduated from Columbia University yeah. in 1970. Yeah, so. I know. That's very he's smart, that guy. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Every he's time we're on a job with you, he'll talk my ear off and just tell me about stuff that I have yeah. no clue what he's talking about. Yeah. Music, yeah. everything else. Nah, yeah. But he's very smart and he's he's very, very, uh, he's, he's a real guy. You yeah. know, he's, he's one of my best friends. You know, we don't hang out. Like, I don't hang out with my guys because we see each other yeah. 40 to 60 hours a week, depending yeah. if we're working overtime mm -hmm. or whatever. But in reality, it's like a second you, marriage. Yeah, you go through most of your life hanging out with, with your guys, with, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Pete, man, thanks for coming on. Hey, it was yeah, an honor to be you here. You guys much. do a great job. Uh, I appreciate you coming thank on, you. talking about the uh, the contracting business, the experience. Thanks for bringing Louie. Louie is the time. best. Yep. But uh, all right, so plug your business one more time. Van Gogh. General, General contracting. contracting. The art of renovation. What's the website? VanGogh.com? It's uh, van-gogc.com. V-A-N-G-O-G-C.com. And I'll put it on the bottom of the screen, too. Awesome. But, uh, all right, folks. Thanks for joining us again on this episode of Plum Bums Podcast. See everyone podcast. <laughs> uh, listen, please like, share, subscribe, get the name out there. We appreciate the viewership, but seriously, share it with everybody. You know what? Even if you don't watch, just subscribe to the channel. We have a lot of good guests coming up. So uh, stay tuned till next week, and we'll see you then.